Well, let me ask you this question. When did you decide that being a realtor was not good enough for you? When did you decide that Andy Silvius needed to personally brand himself above and beyond being a realtor? Uh, I think before I got in the business. <laughs> really? Why do you say that? I don't know. I don't know if there's a specific date when I figured these things out, but I know that I think we talked about this on, on my show is that I uh, used to be a mechanic. So worked on heavy equipment, hydraulics and everything. And I wanted out of that career really badly. So I actually started, I wanted to get into real estate, decided I was going to go down that path. And I started an online off-road tire and parts business. And I learned a lot of lessons through that. It didn't end up really going too far. I mean, I, I probably, if I pursued it long enough, it would have been successful, but I learned a lot through that. And I realized how much I needed to separate myself or the business from everyone else. And when I got into real estate, it was like, I'm seeing everyone kind of putting the same message out there. And so I just went after trying to be unique about it. It makes sense. And actually your kind of uh, retail experience makes a lot of sense too, because in that business, margins are really low. I mean, yeah. you don't make a lot per sale. You selling equipment or parts or you name it. And by the way, the person right down the street's doing the same thing with the same products mix half the time. Yeah. And unless you have exclusive deals with manufacturers or distributors that have some unique special sauce, you're just a commodity retail purveyor, just like anybody else. Huh. That kind of describes realtors too. Yeah. Because if you are not doing anything extraordinary or truly remarkable, as in worthy of remark, you're just a commodity real estate agent. Being a commodity is a terrible place to be. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't think a lot of people who go into real estate, think about it as a business. I think they look at it like, oh, cool. I have the opportunity to make a bunch of money. They just think of it in the, excuse me, in the job role, but they don't look at this from like, hey, how do I go build a business? And so for me, it was, I realized very quickly with my other brand is like, that's what people start recognizing as the brand. So for example, my off-road tire and parts business was S&N Tires. It was just my buddy and I decided to start this because prices on, on off-road tires and everything were super expensive out here. But what I noticed is when I would go around town, because we're in a relatively small community, people recognize the logo. And it was in a short period of time. And, and I'll tell you, I never had a website or anything. I started hustling tires and all these parts on social media. It was very just slapped together. And I didn't think about it in a big enough sense. I was just trying to figure out how to create more income to feel comfortable to leave my day-to-day -day job. But the biggest catalyst for me was I saw that people recognized the logo. They recognized the brand just in the town. And it wasn't very old. It was a relatively new brand. And I just kind of applied the same mentality to my real estate brand. I think you stumbled on one of the biggest truths of advertising and marketing, which is one of the most powerful words in advertising and marketing communications is new. I mean, we live in a shiny object obsessed culture. Anything new in town, even if it's a box building with a new sign on it, makes heads turn because I've seen everything in town, but this is new. So that's interesting. Now, the question is whether new is enough to get people to engage with you and in the case of a retail establishment, walk in the door or whatever. But when it comes to being a realtor, it's the same thing. You can be new in town and that's a little bit different because that means you don't have a book of business. You don't yeah. have 
existing relationships. You don't have the family that you put in their first starter home that now have to move up. You don't have people looking at maybe transferring or downsizing after their kids leave the house and go to college or start their own lives. You don't have those kind of life shift connections where people are going through stages where they really need someone like you to do that. So being new as a realtor is really tough unless you do something to make yourself stand out. And again, I'm talking with Andy Silvius, and I know Andy because I was on his Resourceful Agent podcast. I have to ask you, when did you start thinking about developing a podcast in relationship to starting your personal brand, specifically in the real estate space? So I had been in the business for about four, maybe five months. And I'll, I'll say really quickly too, that I, even though I built the brand, there's a lot of hard work that goes in just doing the regular day-to-day -day stuff. I think a lot of people think that if you just build a brand that you just rely on the brand and the, the hard work doesn't have to be there too, but there's both. But I, uh, I needed to figure out one, I have a very big passion around discussing business with entrepreneurs and seeing people decide to go their own path and build stuff. I mean, that's exciting for me. And a lot of people I've talked to have said that they don't, you know, oh, this, that I, I want to do this, but I can't do it for whatever reason, you know, whatever their mental block is. The other problem that I had was obviously, like you said, getting into real estate, you're new. I don't have a book of business there. People don't know me. And to make matters worse, I, I was relatively new to the area. So I didn't grow up here. I don't have a lot of long-term relationships in this area. And so I was doing all the regular things. And I decided that one, I'd like to connect with business owners on a level of like learning how they did it. But it was also a way for me to in kind of infiltrate the community in a way where I could start meeting people in a different platform. And I thought about it for quite a while. I, I gave myself 30 days because I knew I'd already read all the stats. I did a lot of research and the average podcaster lasts about seven episodes and then they, it goes away because they're not committed to it. So my whole like brand is based around being resourceful. The reason why is that I've had agents in the past or people that they just don't go to that extra effort to figure out an answer, even if they don't know it. So I've had people where I'm like, hey, do you have a house cleaner? You know, I'm selling my house. Do you have a house cleaner? Oh, no. And that's it. It stops there. They don't say, you know what? I don't, but I'll find someone for you and I'll get back to you. And so I just decided, hey, I don't have all the answers in business and real estate. How do I create a brand that gives the, um, basically shows people that I'm willing to go find the answers for them. And that's kind of, it's kind of where it started. Well, that's interesting because I'm going to deconstruct what you just said in a couple of different ways. One, you're new, you've got to be resourceful. I mean, it's interesting that your podcast is called the resourceful agent, but you're literally telling people what you are. I'm a resourceful agent, an agent of you helping you do things, not necessarily just real estate. You just gave an example of being a resourceful hub that connects people with solutions. I need someone to clean my house to get it ready to sell. Do you know of anybody? If the answer is no, well, you're not helping me at all. Whereas if you have that answer, you now are creating deposits in the bank of goodwill in two different people's banks. The home cleaner business, thank yeah. you for that lead and for that person who was asking for it. So you've shown that you're truly being resourceful. 
But the thing I want to really point out is that because you're new in real estate and you have to work a little harder slash smarter just to get established, I think whether you knew you're doing it or not, you decided or recognized that podcasting was something that not a lot of real estate professionals would do. Certainly not the ones with any type of established book of business, right? Mm-hmm. It, because I'll be honest, and you got to give me a little leeway here. Oh, I believe good. that most real estate agents want to show two houses, you put an offer on one, and then they come back and they do a little bit of contract writing, and then they come back and they get a big fat check. Yep. And I think a majority of people do think about it that way. Yeah, exactly. Maximum remuneration for minimum work and effort. Yeah. Well, doing what you're doing, creating a podcast is not easy. I mean, I don't know about you, but um, I edit my own podcast and between editing and, uh, you know, scheduling guests and doing social media based promotion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to guess it comes out to somewhere between eight and 10 hours per episode every single week. So for a lot of people, that would be 25% of their work week dedicated to one thing. So it's, it's a little bit of a lift, right? Would you agree with that? 100%. And the funny thing is I calculated pretty much the same hours. So I don't edit my podcast anymore, but for a very long time I did because I couldn't afford to hire people to do some of those things for me. And as my real estate business grew, I knew that I needed to figure out leverage on some things that weren't worth my dollar per hour because I was, it was really taking away time from my family. But yeah, I, I spent probably eight to 10 hours because I had a really bad computer to try to edit video on too. I'd spent eight to 10 hours on each episode and uh, it is not easy by any means. It's a lot, but I knew that's why I gave myself 30 days in the beginning because I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, this is just going to be what I do throughout any business venture. And it's going to be a long, uh, long-term commitment. And it's a strategic commitment. And yeah. that's what I want to get to, which is you kind of alluded to the fact that because you were new to the area, because you were new to the business environment, you know, uh, I'm sure you did plenty of face-to-face networking and groups and stuff like that, but still there is nothing better then ringing someone up and saying, hey, person who has a retail store or a service or some other type of business, I would love to get you on my podcast and ask you some questions about who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Is there anybody that would not jump at the chance, except for those are who are either, I, I think I'm above that, or absolutely camera shy or microphone shy? I mean, seriously, if someone said, I want to talk about you on my podcast and learn from you because you're an expert in any given area, would you come on my podcast? Who's going to say no to that? I'll tell you, I've only had one person, one person say no. And he was of the mindset that, well, everyone's already done podcasting. Why? That's stupid. Why would you do? Why would you do the same thing? Very just closed off to anything. And I was, I said, you know, that's, that's okay. For me, it was a good learning experience because then I, didn't have a guest on who didn't even believe in something out of the box. Yeah. Well, and also I'm, I'm sorry, but if I were faced with that person, I'd go, well, thank you very much. Good luck. And I would never talk to them again because they clearly are not a service oriented person who's not out there to serve people because yeah. your ask was, I want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to do a podcast. Well, 
that's not what I was asking. I want to learn from you. I want to share your knowledge. I want to, and by the way, I want to make you look really, really good. Yeah. You're going to say no to that? Yes, I am, because everyone's doing a podcast and I'm a grumpy old guy. Okay, <laughs> dude, I'll find someone. Funny thing is, he wasn't old. Really? He was probably, um, I would say, mid-30s, <laughs> but very close up. And I, don't, I haven't talked to him because I don't like surrounding myself with people who are, aren't open to things, right? And, and it was. It was just to help get him in front. I've had people who've been on the podcast who are literally scared to death to have a camera faced at them. And so I thought about all these things before I did it because I was not someone who liked being on camera either. I just knew that, okay, this is how I need to connect with people. And this is how I need to spread our message to try to help others who are wanting to get into business. What better way than video? And what I, I intentionally, if you go back to my early episodes and we've, we've gone back to the same style now, I intentionally had the camera off the side and faced the table from a side profile so that the guest didn't feel like they would, I wanted to be able to take control of the conversation where they don't remember the cameras there. Right. And my podcast started, I don't know that we mentioned this, it started in a studio. I built out a studio that my buddy gave me space for. So I only had local guests on. I was very like, I hadn't even really thought about doing a remote podcasting until COVID hit. And I'm like, you know what? We're gonna have to modify our approach to this. But I just made sure that everything down to how the table was set up uh, that I can make the person feel comfortable across from me, that it wasn't an awkward conversation. I didn't want it to feel forced. I wanted to have that natural conversation because I think that's when people let their guard down and I can learn from them the most at that point. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. What was the result after people had been on the podcast and talked to you? Did you keep in touch? Do you see them around town? Do they wave and say hi? Or do you develop a much uh, stronger, more resilient relationship simply because you spent time getting to know them, learn from them, share with them? I think it depends on the person. For the majority of the people I've had on, I feel like I've created long-term relationships I mean, I have friends down in Mexico. I have another friend who he doesn't even have a specific home. He, they move like they were in Greece for three or four months and now they're in Puerto Rico. I have people like that that I feel like I can call them on the phone and uh, they're very successful business owners. They're not local. They're just people who I've met through podcasting, but I can call them anytime. And we've actually tried, we've been trying to plan a trip to where we can meet them down there in Mexico and vacation with them. But I think it just depends on the person because some people I feel like I have a better connection with than others. You know, I've had some people on the podcast that I just, I mean, not to sound rude, but there's just some people I just don't get super excited about talking about because right. I feel like their message is just kind of a canned response that they've rehearsed. It's really hard for me to connect with that. Yeah, well, and that, that goes toward people not memorizing things like elevator pitches or stuff yeah. like that. It's good to know who you are, what you do, and how you do it. 
but it's really bad to just rattle it off like you pressed play on a tape recorder. And too many people do that. That's why, you know, I enjoyed being on your podcast, the Resourceful Agent podcast, because you didn't send any questions and we just talked and got to know each other to the point that I'm like, hey, Andy, why don't you come on my podcast? Because I've talked about realtors forever, kind of as an example of a commoditized professional sector. I want to pick your brain about that. Am I wrong when I say that most realtors are a little bit lazy and maybe a tad bit greedy. And I'm I'm welcome to be slapped around if I'm wrong, but No, you're not like, wrong. And I think there's a I think there's some preconceived ideas anyways, just based on sales. I think anything that's sales based, if you don't do a good job on getting your message across very clear of who you are, immediately it's going to look like, okay, they're like a used car salesman. And I have run across plenty of them where it's like, how do you get as much business as you do? Because you are terrible to work with in a transaction, just from professional to professional, I can see how things can be very slimy and they lose trust in the public that way. And for me, like, it's not why I started the show, but I think it's been a big factor in why people trust me because they can go online they can get to know me through 90 different episodes of podcasts. I've got videos all over the place. I want people to know who I am. And so if I was faking it, at some point that come across and people are going to notice and I'm just not. So, and I already kind of know the answer to this question, but I'm going to tee up the golf ball for you to yeah. swing at. If I were to see you drive up to a um, new home development, uh, you know, uh, where someone you might be getting ready to show a family, the type of home that is built in this development or something like that. You're not showing up in a white Lexus wearing a three-piece suit that costs more money than, uh, I don't know, my, the car I currently drive and wearing inappropriate shoes for a work site. What do you roll up in? It's funny you ask that. So this is a, I think this is a key component for me and how well I've been able to connect with my clients because most people have the idea of realtors rolling up in a suit, Lexus, you know, dressed to the nine and they, and just very disconnected from everyone else because they act like they're, you know, up here. I was a mechanic, so I'm not comfortable in suits. And I know that my clients aren't people, you know, if my clientele was someone who wore suits, then maybe I would need to do that to be on their level. But this is probably about as dressed up as you'll see me, a polo, jeans, and my pretty much my work boots, you know, tennis shoes or whatever nice shoes I have. And then I drive an F-150. So there's nothing really special about that. Well, but there is to your perfect audience or your perfect buying group. Yeah. We talked about this on your podcast that I don't know if I mentioned this book, but there was a book that came out a number of years ago called The Millionaire Next Door. And it was based on the idea that Americans have this idea of what a millionaire looks like. And what really the American millionaire looks like is the guy who's got the plumbing truck next door who also has four more plumbing trucks at four more people's houses who work for him. He's still lugging a water heater down into the basement every once in a while to put that thing in. And he's grown his business over time, you know, turning a wrench, getting busting knuckles. And now he's got money. But he hasn't changed his mentality when it comes to 
I work hard. I want someone who's going to work hard for me. I want to feel comfortable with them. I don't want to feel like I'm being ripped off. And so consequently, I'm guessing there are a whole lot more of those types of well-moneyed individuals out there that Andy Silvius can tap into than the ephemeral unicorn billionaire tech mogul. So you have literally said, I'm more comfortable wearing this, driving this, and appearing this way. And all you're doing is mirroring what your best customers are going to be wearing, driving, and uh, uh, feeling most comfortable in. I've noticed the connection too with people when I, let's say I meet a new client for the first time. And uh, of course, everyone has the idea, not everyone, but some people have that preconceived idea of what a realtor is. And then when they start talking to me and they realize that I was a mechanic and I've worked quote unquote regular jobs for years. I mean, I have the work ethic of, of working as a mechanic. I just chose to do a different career path and I know that I'm better connected with people and uh, long-term, you know, going after real estate investments. That's, that's our goal. But yeah, it definitely resonates with people once they realize my background. Well, I know that there are a lot of nonfiction brand podcast listeners who are already kind of in their heads doing the, oh, I see the basis for his personal brand. His true, absolutely 100% true story is that he was a blue-collar worker who learned what hard work was. He decided that he wanted to not just work hard, but work smart and build a business rather than just have an inventory of hours, right? Because if if you're a a diesel mechanic or a heavy machinery mechanic, your inventory is hours. If you can multiply that by creating a business where down the road, maybe you've got agents working with you and stuff like that and create a business, you are now force multiplying your efforts, your time, your bandwidth in a a big, meaningful way. But you can see that the foundation for Andy Silvius, the personal brand, is Andy Silvius, the person he's always been. And I want to talk about that more in next week's episode, but we're getting kind of close to the end of this one. So trust me, we will go deep into that because I do want to deconstruct what resourceful agent is in terms of a concept, not only as a podcast, but as a a reason for being for Andy Silvius in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. But before we do that, I want to let people know how they can get a hold of Andy Silvius or your podcast. So tell us, what's your favorite social channel and where can I listen to your podcast? Honestly, if anyone just Googled my name, it's going to be all over Google. But if they want to reach me directly on social media, pretty much every platform, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, just type in resourceful agent. I think LinkedIn actually might be a little different, but everything else is just at resourceful agent. If you go to YouTube, you can just type in resourceful agent radio show or just resourceful agent. You'll probably run across our YouTube channel for real estate as well. Isn't it amazing what happens when you reconcile everything so that it all relates directly to you? And in your case, the concept that you've embraced as kind of the tent pole for everything you do, the whole, what I'm going to call the resourceful agent concept. Well, we're going to talk about that resourceful agent concept next week. But for now, I'd love for you guys to like, subscribe, refer to others and review this podcast because that really helps other people find it. 
And also join us next week because Andy will be back. But for now, I'm DP Knuton, your host, and he is... Andy Silvius, the resourceful agent. And we'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye.